everyone, a quick note. This episode's been updated with some additional interview tape from Judge Matthew Coglin. Hey, it's Alexandra, Curious City editor. Tell me if this experience sounds familiar. It's election day. You step into the booth. If you're like me, you've done a little research on who you're going to vote for beforehand, whether it's for mayor, congressman, or maybe state's attorney. You're feeling prepared. But the further you go down the ballot, the less familiar the names start to sound, especially once you get to the judges. So what do you do? A lot of people just go and check them off. That's Jose Montanez in an interview with Soapbox Media in 2018. He knows just how much a judge can impact your life. In 1993, Montanez and an acquaintance, Armando Serrano, were arrested and eventually convicted for a murder they didn't commit. There was no gun, there's no DNA, there's no eyewitnesses. There was absolutely no evidence in our case to convict us. And my rights were trampled on because they convicted me beyond a reasonable doubt. Both men would spend more than 23 years behind bars before being exonerated. As Serrano explains, their time in prison was traumatic. It was hell, you know, you, you know you're innocent and being, you know, you're treated like crap by uh, correctional officers or have, having to wash out for inmates as well. And it, 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 was, it was a nightmare, it was a living hell. One of the prosecutors who worked on the case was Matthew Coglin. Coglin went on to get elected Cook County judge. And you're gonna hear more about that later. Now, it turned out that Serrano and Montanez's conviction was based on false testimony. His conviction hinged mainly on testimony from a jailhouse informant who later said he lied after he was threatened. When this came to light, the men filed a petition to have their convictions reviewed, but their request was denied. When I was denied, it was like being convicted again. Family broke down, everybody crying in the courtroom. It was like history repeating itself. The judge who denied their request was another elected Cook County judge, Maura Slattery Boyle. Both Judge Coglin and Judge Slattery Boyle made controversial decisions. Their rulings were often reversed by higher courts. They had the kind of records that got one listener wondering if judges ever get removed from office, and if they do, how often it happens. The short answer is not very often. The main way to remove judges from office is through elections. But that almost never happens. To understand why, we teamed up with reporter Maya Dukmasova from Injustice Watch. It's a nonprofit news organization that covers the judicial system. She'll tell you the story of how Judge Coglin and Judge Slattery Boyle got elected in the first place how one of them has stayed on the bench for years despite their decisions, and how the other became the first judge in 30 years to lose their seat. That story from Maya after the break. ways, both Matthew Coughlin and Morris Lattery Boyle represent the typical type of people that often ended up being Cook County judges. They're white, they had political connections, and they were prosecutors in the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. Both of them were first elected as judges in 2000, and neither of them came highly recommended by lawyers groups that give ratings to candidates running for judge, like the Chicago Bar Association. 
Coughlin had spent his 13-year legal career as a Cook County prosecutor. In the early 90s, he helped build the murder case against Montanez and Serrano, the men we heard from earlier who were wrongfully convicted. But for years, Coughlin had been working only part-time as a prosecutor. He had a second job as a Chicago firefighter. Back in 2000, the major Chicago bar groups frowned on the fact that he wasn't a full-time attorney, so they didn't recommend him. The Sun-Times ran a story highlighting Coughlin's shortcomings, and the Chicago Tribune editorial board, which endorses candidates, didn't support him for judge. They told voters to go with one of the other three candidates on the ballot. But that didn't matter much. When you provide the information, the two things that really matter are, are number one, the timing of it, and number two, the, the simplicity of it. Um, you have to present it to the voters very soon before the election, otherwise they forget it. And this is something that bar groups tend not to do. Albert Klump is a researcher who's been studying judicial elections since the early 2000s. He knows a lot about them. Well, you know, I can give you all the stats going back to the beginning of retention elections in the 1930s. But When we sat down to talk, he came prepared with a folder full of charts and graphs about judicial election trends. Let me give you the numbers. Let me, if, I, if, I can, if I can shuffle my papers for a minute here. Klump says two things gave Coughlin a leg up in the race. First, Coughlin was endorsed by the Cook County Democratic Party. His name was on their promotional materials, palm cards, and other ads that reached hundreds of thousands of voters. Uh, and political parties are really good at getting the message out. Second, Coughlin won the lottery to have his name appear first on the ballot. And that actually makes a big difference, because many voters tend to vote for the first name they see. It's surprising how much the ballot position matters. Uh, what I found was that roughly one in 10 of the primary contests that we've had uh, would have produced a different winner under at least one alternative ballot arrangement. That means that if the names were in a different order, someone else likely would have won. And there were other arbitrary factors that probably helped him win. Having an Irish last name. The Irish name is legendary for having a, a, a big effect. And having two women opponents. Some voters choose women on principle. And that's great for a woman candidate running against a bunch of men. But it does depend on the mix of candidates you have in the contest, because if you have multiple women, you subdivide that advantage. Having Democratic Party backing, being first on the ballot with an Irish name, running against two women, Klump says all of that helped Coughlin sail to victory back in 2000. Meanwhile, another aspiring judge running that year, Maura Slattery Boyle, didn't have to worry about any of that. She was running unopposed. Slattery Boyle, also a prosecutor, had been a lawyer for less than 10 years. Bar groups didn't recommend her because she didn't even participate in their evaluations. What she lacked in work experience, she certainly made up for in political connections. She was from Bridgeport and her family was close with Mayor Daly's. The 11th Ward political machine was squarely behind her. And the judicial seat she ran for was in the 14th subcircuit. Since subcircuits include a few neighboring communities, having political pull there, being from the community, knowing influential people, all that goes a long way. Plus, her subcircuit was notorious for having one candidate judicial contests. Was she out of the 14th? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the 14th is the one where the, there was one candidate for every vacancy and no challengers. None whatsoever. She was the only one on the ballot, so no surprise, she won handily. So despite questions about their qualifications, both Coughlin and Slattery Boyle became judges. 
Their first six-year terms were pretty low profile, assignments like traffic court and domestic violence hearings. Then they were up for retention. In Illinois, judges don't face re-election against opponents like every other elected official. Instead, at the end of their terms, voters are asked yes or no to keeping them on the bench. That's that long part of the November ballot. And as Klump explains, it's practically a formality. Typically, the retention rate over history has been over 99%. Uh, and it's roughly that, that at that level in Illinois, too. It's just extremely unusual for judges to, to lose in a retention vote. When Coughlin and Slattery Boyle were up for retention in 2006, both got about 80% yes votes. Their careers advanced. Eventually, both judges began presiding over trials about the most serious violent crimes and were in the position to send people to prison for decades. They also got to decide whether people who were already convicted could have their cases get a second look based on new evidence. As the stakes of the cases they handled rose, both judges began to garner some negative attention. For example, in 2010, Matthew Coughlin received a request from an incarcerated man to have his conviction reconsidered. The man claimed he'd been abused by a Chicago police detective associated with John Burge. Could you state your name, sir? John G. Burge, B-U-R-G. That man and name are now synonymous with police torture in Chicago. For decades, victim after victim has talked about what they endured by or under the former Chicago police... Coughlin ruled two times that the man didn't deserve to have his case get a new look. Both of Coughlin's decisions were reversed by the appellate court, meaning the higher court found he'd made the wrong call repeatedly. The man has since been freed from prison. Slattery Boyle also had decisions reversed by the higher court. Judge Myra Salattery Boyle, not only did she try to degrade me as a human being, she told me that I was too smart to be free, that she had to send me to prison, it's in my record. That's Ilya Jackson, speaking in a previous interview he did with Injustice Watch. In 2010, Slattery Boyle presided over his trial. And according to records from that hearing, what Slattery Boyle actually said was that Jackson was clearly smart but wasting talent and infesting the neighborhood. The right to have a fair judge, a fair and impartial judge, is something that, man, a lot of people don't know how serious it is. Jackson was accused of selling less than a gram of heroin to an undercover cop near school. A jury convicted him, and Slattery Boyle gave him a 13-year prison sentence. But later, the appellate court found that the judge made several mistakes, including in the way she handled questions from the jury. So they sent the case back to her for a new sentence. But the second time, Slattery Boyle was even harsher on Jackson. This judge used everything outside of the record to impose her sentence. Jackson felt the judge wasn't just wrong about the law. He says she also treated him disrespectfully. So she called me a menace to society. I was a calculated drug conspirator. So I wouldn't let her continue to speak to me in that manner. I walked out on her. She held me in contempt to go court, gave me an additional six months that I was never able to challenge. Jackson spent years in prison. Watching life go past, a decade, you know, just, if you spend a decade in prison and it's a wrongful conviction, I'm, I mean, if you spend a decade in prison, even if it's a right conviction, you know, that's, 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 a, that's a life, man, that's a lot of, that's a, man, it's, it's a lot for a, a human. All 
Ultimately, Jackson was exonerated. Another man admitted to being the one who sold the drugs to the undercover cop. Despite their controversial decisions, Coughlin and Slattery Boyle didn't have any trouble getting reelected. When they went up for retention again in 2012, the bar associations gave them favorable ratings. About 75% of voters again said yes to keeping them on the bench. But over the next six years, some things began to change, and one of them would see their judicial career end. More after the break. Curious City is supported by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curious City today to get 10% off your first month. The political landscape in the country and in Cook County was shifting. The murders of Michael Brown, Eric Garner, and Laquan McDonald brought unprecedented scrutiny to the inequities and violence in policing and the criminal legal system. People started paying closer attention to the elected officials in charge of that system and demanded reforms. Kim Fox, running as a progressive prosecutor, became the new Cook County State's Attorney. The need to rebuild a broken criminal justice system here in Cook County is not work that should be taken lightly. Conditions ripened to demand changes in the judiciary, too. Remember Jose Montanez and Armando Serrano, the two men we met at the beginning of the show? Twenty years later, they were still fighting the murder case Coughlin had helped build. Neither man ever confessed to the slaying and maintained their innocence. There was no physical evidence or eyewitnesses linking either one to the crime. In 2013, their request to have their convictions reconsidered based on new evidence landed in front of Judge Slattery Boyle. She denied them. That ruling was one of 34 of her decisions the appellate court reversed during her third term. No other judge in Cook County's criminal courts got their decisions undone as frequently. Coughlin, who came in second, had 12 decisions reversed by the higher court in that same period. In 2016, Serrano and Montanez were finally exonerated and walked out of prison, making both Coughlin and Slattery Boyle look bad. As Serrano's lawyer put it, This should have happened many, many years ago. Soon after that, Serrano and Montanez named Coughlin in a federal lawsuit they filed against all the cops and prosecutors involved in building the case against them. The 2018 election was looming, and it was already going to be a contentious one. Researcher Albert Klump again. It was Donald Trump's midterm year, not just any midterm year. Why does that matter? It matters because at that time, especially in Chicago, by far the biggest thing on the voters' minds was this whole group of issues around police misconduct, wrongful convictions, just issues with the criminal justice process. Community organizers wanted to take advantage of shifting public opinion. 
they began thinking about how to get rid of old-school, tough-on-crime judges who gave harsh sentences and had a reputation for racial bias. I think there were some criminal defense attorneys that were just really blown away by the behavior of some of the judges in the courtroom. Michaela Blaze was the executive director of the Judicial Accountability PAC. JPAC was the leading player in this movement. They wanted to achieve something that hadn't happened in almost 30 years, get a Cook County judge to lose a retention election. They wanted to see if it was possible to get voters to think more critically about the long and boring judicial ballot. We should get rid of a judge. Ha 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 was normally the response because that just never happened. So we had a short list of problematic judges. Coughlin and Slattery Boyle both appeared on the list. And we had different attorneys come in and speak to what they thought were problematic about the judges. And then we whittled it down to Judge Coughlin. JPAC targeted Coughlin because of his harsh sentencing and complaints of his biased attitudes towards people of color in the courtroom. And because he was the prosecutor on the Montanez and Serrano case, which was getting a lot of press since the men had been exonerated. JPAC started to get the word out about Coughlin to anyone who would listen. It was really, really grassroots. We had a, a number of attorneys that were happy to go anywhere and talk about this issue with anyone. JPAC was also able to get committeemen, major players inside the Cook County Democratic Party, to get interested in this issue. Really, we capitalized on a lot of relationships that we had. That made a huge difference. The party turned against Coughlin. The chair of the party, Tony Preckwinkle, got personally involved. Good evening. This is Tony Preckwinkle with an important message. The Cook County Democratic Party, for the first time, decided to vote no on a judge. Please also remember to vote no on Judge Matthew Coughlin, Punch 232. Thank you, and don't forget to vote tomorrow. Paid for by the Cook County Democratic Party. At the same time, Serrano and Montanez were part of a grassroots ad campaign under the Dump Coughlin hashtag, in which they each told the stories of their wrongful convictions. My name is Armando Serrano. Spent 23 years wrongfully incarcerated. My name is Jose Emilio Montanez. I'm here today to speak about Judge Matthew Coughlin, former head prosecutor in case against me that wrongfully convicted me for 23 years. I spent it in Illinois. The press about the Serrano and Montanez case, the campaign by the Cook County Democratic Party, and the grassroots organizing by JPAC put Coughlin in the minds of voters in a way he had never been before. There was one voice against one person. I run into people that are like, Matthew Coughlin, I remember him. That it was the one name, and we said it over and over. When the election results came in, Coughlin lost. When we pulled it off, we were all through the roof. I was shocked and elated, and for sure tears were shed. It was, it was quite a day. I mean, and we, we felt and we knew we'd made history. Meanwhile, Slattery Boyle was also facing some new scrutiny. Injustice Watch covered her astronomical number of reversals, and there were calls to unseat her by progressive organizations. But as researcher Albert Klump explains, that didn't penetrate voters' minds like the campaign against Coughlin. I recall one news story in the summer, but that was in the summer, and that will fade from voters' memory. Um, there was nothing like the kind of groundswell that, that, um, that Coughlin generated. The issues against her, I, I, I don't think, plugged into the, the interest in criminal justice in quite the same way that Coughlin did. 
Even though she had her closest election ever, she still won. Soon after that election, Slattery Boyle was transferred out of the criminal division, but not to a lower-level assignment like traffic court. Instead, the chief judge reassigned her to hear major civil lawsuits in the law division, something many judges would actually consider to be a promotion. Ilya Jackson, the man she sent to prison for a crime he didn't commit, is still in the process of suing the city of Chicago over his wrongful conviction. We reached out to both Coughlin and Slattery Boyle to talk about their careers and the 2018 election. They did not want to be interviewed. However, right after he lost in 2018, Coughlin did an interview with WBZ and defended his record. I've always tried to be fair. But he said that fairness hadn't been extended to him. Well, I looked at um, my appellate reversals. Uh, I I found 10 of them. Um, Two of those, uh, the Supreme Court accepted and then reversed the appellate court. Uh, Three more uh, were based on a change in law, and the appellate court, uh, or the Supreme Court, again, reversed the appellate court. Uh, And then a a few others were based on uh, ineffective assistance of counsel uh, and nothing that I had done. So my record has been misrepresented, and uh, some of those... uh, Individual decisions I've made have been taken out of context uh, to further uh, the agenda of uh, the lawyers who uh, represent uh, Mr. Serrano and Mr. Montanez. Coughlin added one more thing about his career. Really, I'm feeling uh, very fortunate that I uh, had the honor of serving on the court for 18 years. Um, worked with a lot of talented colleagues, and uh, you know when I... Uh, Graduated from law school, my father gave me a sign that said, uh, there's but one rule of conduct for a man to do the right thing. And I've always tried to live by uh, that uh, slogan. Slattery Boyle also disputed that her record as a judge was unusually bad. When Injustice Watch first wrote about all her reverse decisions in 2018, she responded in writing that she follows the law and that her record of imposing long sentences was appropriate for the types of crimes she handled. She disputed that defendants and defense lawyers thought of her as harsh. In the June primary, you'll have the chance to vote for new judges, people who will eventually make decisions in murder cases, but also divorces, divvying up your inheritance, and whether you'll have to pay that speeding ticket. Once they're on the bench, judges don't lose elections very often. But what the 2018 election showed was that it's not impossible. And voters play a key role in deciding whether the most qualified people are getting on the bench in the first place. There's some great resources out there to help make informed decisions. You can read the Bar Association reviews. And every year, the news organization I work for, Injustice Watch, puts out a thoroughly researched, nonpartisan judicial election guide. It's free. You can read it online at injusticewatch.org. And you could take it with you into the voting booth. It's hard to know what kind of judge someone will be before they have a chance to be one, of course. But you don't have to vote for someone just because they're a woman, or first on the ballot, or seem to come from the same ethnic background as you. Those things aren't good predictors of how good a judge someone will be. And here's what Jose Montanez wants you to remember when you get to that long judicial ballot. I just want the voters to know that these guys are like God. They decide whether you live whether you live in society, they, they snatch you away and they just put you away in a nice box. So you should do your research. If 
you know, who these guys are. They, they have backgrounds, they have disciplinary records with the Bar Association. You should do your little research before you vote for somebody. This episode was produced in collaboration with the nonprofit news organization Injustice Watch. Be sure to check out their election guide and all the work they do at injusticewatch.org. Thanks to Maya Dukmasova for reporting this week. The episode was produced by Andrew Merriweather. Special thanks to Soapbox Media and Rosita Cox for use of archival tape. Curious City is produced by Jason Mark. Adriana Cardona Magigad is our reporter. Maggie Sivet is the digital and engagement producer. Asia Singleton is our intern and new graduate. I'm Alexandra Solomon, and I edit this show every week. Thanks for listening. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based. So you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown.